Good morning to all of you, wherever you may be this morning. I'm uh, Gary Albritton. I'll be glad to uh, present the lesson this morning. And that's not true. I was minding my own business last night watching some great football games, and I got a call from Gary, and he said, you know, I, I just don't much feel like preaching day, uh, tomorrow. Why don't, why don't you go ahead and do it? And that's not true either. That's, that's not true. <laughs> um, he did call, and it said he found out that he had been exposed. And he said, and I, I don't want to risk being there and, and exposing someone else, and so would you? And I said, sure, I'm not doing anything else in the morning, so I'll just be, I'll do that. Uh, so it's not going to be quite like uh, what was programmed and what was planned, but we're going, to, we're going to be talking about basically the same things. You know, we are very special people. We have been let in on some very important things. You know, we always like that. Sometimes when there's, there's, there's something going on and it may be secret, it's not given to everybody, and, but I'm going to let you in on it. And you and I have the high and holy privilege of being let in on some marvelous, wonderful things that have changed our lives, that have made us be sitting where we are right now, whether it's in front of a television set or in this auditorium, because of some things we know. The scriptures reveal some, some profound, startling truths that when you grasp these, it changes you. It changes your view, your worldview, your your attitude of everything. All of a sudden, everything is new and different. It's not the same as it was before. It starts off with Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created, and that changes the way you look at everything. If you take that in as a truth, it changes your worldview. All of a sudden, something new, a different perspective, a different view, a different understanding of, of everything. Then there's us, also there in Genesis 1, us, made in his likeness, that we are somehow akin to God, not to the animals, not to the rest of the world, but to God himself. We are akin, we are like him in some form. We also learn that everything that he's doing is good. Now, this is all from Genesis 1. 1, 2, and 3, at least, anyway. That what he's doing is good. Everything that God does is good. I don't always understand that. I'm going to have to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't see the goodness Sometimes I hear people saying, well, that's not right. This shouldn't be happening. Why does God let this go on? Why does this happen? When we prayed, why did that happen? I don't know. I don't always, I'm not able to see beyond that right there, my nose. 
what's out there, what's coming, reasons, motives. But I know and believe somehow it's good because he's good. Our God is good. When I was in college, out here at TJC, many years ago, um, I, I realized, and if you want to talk about this with me later, we'll do it. I had a calling, and it wasn't to be the engineer that I thought I was going to be. It was to be a minister. And that was really shocking to a lot of people, especially my parents, uh, and, to, and to, to me, uh, and to my girlfriend back there, uh, because I couldn't get up in front of just a class and tell them what my name was without getting so embarrassed and choking up. But I had a speech teacher named Dr. Jean Brown. Actually, one of the auditoriums out there now is named after her. She was wonderful, wonderful speech teacher. And she helped me a great deal, learning to get up in front of people and, and speak, read something or talk. But one of the things she told me, she said, when she found out I was going to be a minister, she said, listen, don't ever let it get old. Don't lose the awe and the wonder and the joy of it. Don't ever let it become old hat and just old stuff. And I think we all have to fight that. Some of us, many of us in here, we've known these truths, these basic truths, from the side, when we were this age, these little ones like this. They already know so many of them. Now the meaning and the, the use and how that's going to change their lives will come later on. But it's easy for you and, and me to lose the sense of wonder and awe and one of the good things about this season, when we remember back the, the miracle that we were just singing about, the wondrous miracle, is that we're reminded again of the wonder and the joy and the awe of it all. Listen to some familiar words that have to do with the coming of God into the world. A theological term has been called Advent. I don't think that does very much justice to it. Here are the words that John, in his gospel, in his introduction to Jesus and who he was, listened to them all over again. Listen like you were hearing them for the first time and be in awe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Boy, he's nailing it down, isn't he? I want you to be clear about this. I want you to understand who it is I'm talking about. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God 
whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear, bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we celebrate all the time, but at certain times we, we focus more on the, the, the marvelous, wonderful, mind-blowing fact that the God of creation, he who made everything. See, John is very careful. You know about in the beginning, he takes them back to Genesis, to the God who started it all, who created and, and puts Jesus right there and says, he was there. He was taking part in that. He was making everything. You see, this was the Lord God of heaven. And this God came down here. And became a man. If you ever wonder about, is this really all true? Could this be real? You've got to understand, no human being in his right mind would ever write a story like this on his own. Couldn't be any other way. And the way he came, you would think if God comes, oh, he's coming in his glory. He's coming as a warrior. He's coming as a king. He's coming as a prince. He's coming as, as a wealthy ruler. No. <laughs> no. He comes as a baby that's born in a manger or laid in a manger in a barn to a poor couple, unknown, all in obscurity, but when it happened, the angels sang, the wise men came, the shepherds came. What a story, what a glorious, wondrous story. And we're going to be focusing on that today. The sermon's going to be broken up in, in two or three parts, and the children are going to help tell the story again. And you're going to be delighted by that. And I'll be talking some more about it in just one moment. Chuck. <clears throat> we might need to be checking up on some of our teachers, what they're teaching our children. <laughs> they don't seem to have the facts just right. I did love the part, though, as Chuck said, about the, the embarrassed camels and sheep. That was, that was new to me. I, I really hadn't seen that before. That's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's fun. 
So the wonder is that God came. But the next question becomes, and that's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes, why? Why did he come? This was an astonishing fact, a marvelous fact, a a mind-blowing fact, but why? What was the purpose of his coming? Well, John 3.16, everybody knows that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't ever forget the next verse. For God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That our salvation was wrapped up in this somehow. That the possibility of a human being having eternal life, being saved from his sins, being redeemed back to God, is all wrapped up in this. And it starts in that stable. But it even starts before then. It starts with the prophecies. It starts with the creation and man's fall in the garden. It's all wrapped up in this, the the deep theology of it all, but the wonder of it all. I think we all grew up knowing these, these truths. But let me go a little bit beyond this. Why did he come? First of all, to show us the real heart of God. To show us who God is. We, we get messed up on that. The Jews were messed up on that. That's why he kept having to say to them, you have heard that it was said, but I say unto you, I'm straightening out some things that you've got wrong. Some things that over the years you have, you have let trap you or lead you off the wrong direction. Here's Here's the way it really is. Here's what really matters to God. Here's what God is really all about. I didn't finish reading the rest of the context in uh, John chapter 1, verse 18, though. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, this is Jesus, He has revealed him or explained him or shown him. He came to show us who God really is. Oh, there are so many things as you go through the life of Jesus. You see him challenging them. Remember the time that that, that he's in the synagogue and the man has the the, uh, warped hand or withered hand and and Jesus has him come, come stand here so everybody can see. Now, is it right to heal on the Sabbath or not? Does, and it was a question about the heart of God. Does God care more about the law and the rules being kept, or does God care more about helping the man, compassion for the man? Which is it? Oh, we need to study these things, don't we? They're revealed for us. They're They're recorded for us. Study them again. We study his words very carefully because 
We know who this was. Here's God standing here. I want to hear what he's saying. What does he have to tell us? What does he have to reveal to us? When he talks about money, we want to hear that. And he does. He talks about money quite a bit. You know what he says? Read it. Go study that. About it becoming a, a master instead of a servant. What does he say about forgiveness? And he talks about that a lot. And we need to know, what did he say? Because that's the reality. Here is God revealing. Let me tell you how it really is. And so what he says about forgiveness and our being willing to forgive, being put upon, having a responsibility to forgive because we are forgiven. Great truth. Great truth. It changes how we have to look at things. What did he have to say about tradition? Everyone has tradition. It's important that we know what our traditions are. Okay, I'm going to testify a little bit. Is that all right? How many here want me to testify? That's enough. That's good. I think two did, but that's, that's close enough. I grew up in a time when we, the church, we didn't celebrate Christmas. You could sing these songs anytime, but in December, didn't we? We did. If anybody asks you, what's Christmas about? Hey, man, Santa Claus is coming. That's what it's all about. We couldn't have a, there couldn't have, be a spiritual, religious significance to it. And here I am marrying this girl, this sweet Baptist girl from a different faith. says, we're going to have Christmas at our house. I said, no, we're not. That was one of our biggest fights before we got married. Can you believe that? Oh, my. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. The whole world was thinking about this, celebrating this. And here we were over here saying, nope. Was it truth or tradition? You tell me. Read Romans 14 and tell me. We need to know, Jesus said, traditions are fine. They make a great servant, but a terrible master. Be sure you know which is which. We need to know what he had to say about that because he's revealing God. What did he say about the sin of self-righteousness? Oh, he hated it. He was hardest on that sin. It wasn't, not adultery. Not lying or stealing particularly, but self-righteousness. Oh, you know why? You know why? Find out why. Go study his words. Read them again. We are a people of the word because that puts us in contact with the thoughts and the mind and the heart of God. Jesus came to reveal that to us so we'd know, so we'd understand so we study very carefully his words and his deeds. You need to look again. How did he treat that woman that was taken in adultery, caught in adultery, thrown down at his feet? 
How did he treat her and why? We need to understand that. We need to understand because there is the mind of God himself saying, look, here is the way you deal with this kind of thing. Read again Luke 15, the prodigal son, the boy who went away and and got into riotous living. And you, you can imagine everything that's supposed to mean it does. How was he treated by the father and why? That's so important. That shows us something of the mind of God. And it shows us something about what he expects of us. What matters? What's important? That's why he came to show us these things. And if you should ask him, why'd you come? I came to seek and to save the lost. I came to reveal the truth. I came that they might have life and have it everlasting. That's why he came. And so when you look at the The scene, here's Mary and Joseph. They're all over the place. You, you see them everywhere. Mary and Joseph and the baby and, and, and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men. They weren't really all there at once, but that, that, over time they were. But you know what you also need to see? There's the shadow, the dark shadow of a cross that falls across that. And I don't want to take away from the joy of the season, the joy of the advent, the joy of his coming, but that's part of it. We were just singing about that, as a matter of fact. It was in that song, talking about the cross. That was part of his coming, part of the reason. His coming fulfilled so many prophecies, and one of them was, from Isaiah 53, where it said, He will bear our sins upon Himself. He will carry our burdens. He will be wounded for our transgressions. So there's a cross. We have so many things that mean so much. Oh, yeah, there's the star and there's the stable. But there's the shadow of a cross over it all. He came to die for us. Paul would write later on, looking back at the whole story, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, him who knew no sin, he's talking about Jesus, him who knew no sin, he, God, made to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Startling. That's another one of those truths that is mind-blowing and startling and life-changing. See, people knew about sacrifice to gods. Everybody did. If, even if you worshipped Athena or, or any of the other gods that you read about in the Old Testament... They knew about it. You offered sacrifice to them to appease them so that they wouldn't be mad at you, to honor them, to worship them, whatever. But you offered sacrifices. And then 
to grasp. No, God came to offer himself a sacrifice for us. What? Yes, God made the sacrifice of himself for us. All of a sudden, things are different. Two and two is not four. Grace comes into the picture. Love comes into the picture. So he came to show us grace. He came to show us love, to give us both, to make it possible for us to be redeemed from our sins, to offer salvation and eternal life. So the whole story is about God's goodness that begins in Genesis and comes to today. God is good. He sent his son because he was good. And so Paul says, Far be it from me to glory save in the cross of Christ Jesus our Lord. Father God, we rejoice today in your goodness. It fills our lives. It lights the way. It gives us hope. And during a time of stress and during this pandemic when everything is so upset and so turbulent, it gives us stability to know that you are forever and ever the same, that your promises are good always, and that we can walk in the light and the hope and the joy, the salvation that you give us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.